You're listening to Comedy Central. March 6, 2018. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. guest tonight, he won the Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles. Malcolm Jenkins is joining us, everybody! But first, but first, before we get into all the serious news, we thought, you know, tonight, why not kick off uh, the show with a few fun stories about kids? So we start with a father who figured out an interesting way to stop his kid from being a bully. And nope, it's not a training scene from Rocky. This Virginia dad is going viral for making his son run a mile to school in the rain after getting kicked off his bus for bullying. Watch. This right here is called parenting, guys. Um, if you don't know what it's like, here you go. Teach your child a lesson. You don't have to kill them. You don't always have to beat them. But sometimes it sucks for them, and that's what teaches them. So, uh... Well, it seems to be working. Dad says his son's behavior has been much better. Okay, I don't know how I feel about that. It's uh, kind of a mixed message, you know? It's wrong to bully kids in a school, but it's right to bully kids in a Hyundai. <laughs> and also, why would you endurance train a bully? Like, it's bad enough that he's beating up other kids. Now he can chase them for miles? It's like, my dad tried to teach me a lesson, but he just made me stronger! <laughs> and by the way, I like how the dad says, you don't uh, have to kill them. You don't even always have to beat your kids, you know? I mean, sometimes you have to beat the crap out of them, but not always, not always. Okay, so, so maybe that wasn't the happiest story about kids. This next story, though, I promise you, you're gonna like. A moment of sheer delight captured by a photographer at the National Portrait Gallery. There was two-year-old Parker Curry staring up at the new official portrait of Michelle Obama. And here's what she had to say when we asked her who she saw. A queen. A queen? Yes. Do you know her name? Michelle Obama. Michelle Obama. So you do know who the queen is? Yes. Oh, wrong. Beyonce is the queen. <laughs> now go run a mile in the rain. <laughs> oh, man. I can't wait until kids go to the National Portrait Gallery and see Trump's portrait, you know? And be like, do you know who that is? And be like, an assistant manager at Men's Warehouse? <laughs> I'm gonna look at a picture of Melania, and who's that? A hostage? <laughs> Speaking of the Trump administration, today there was yet another resignation. I know, shocking, shocking. <laughs> Chief Economic Advisor Gary Cohen quits today. Yeah, so I think at this point, uh, the White House staff is just John Kelly and a fax machine that Jared isn't allowed to use. <laughs> you know, right now, the White House has lost so many people. Like, every week, somebody's leaving. And, like, forget the White House. If an Applebee's lost as many people, I'd think twice about eating there. I'd be like, <laughs> something's going on, something's going on. <laughs> but let's move on, let's move on. If you ever worked with Donald Trump, there are two things that terrify you. Sponge bath Thursdays <laughs> and special counsel Robert Mueller. Because for Trump and his people, Robert Mueller is a daytime horror movie. You know, he's methodically picking off your friends one by one, but only from nine to five. <laughs> and yesterday, we were introduced to Mueller's latest victim. 
a former Trump aide by the name of Sam Nunberg, who was so freaked out when he got a subpoena from Mueller that he went on national television and lost his goddamn mind. During a whirlwind tour on cable news, former Trump campaign aide Sam Nunberg insisted he would defy a grand jury subpoena from special counsel Robert Mueller. It unfolded live during several hours of rambling and breathless interviews on television. What do I have to hand over all my emails to, an, to a federal investigator? It's not fair. It's really not fair. They're not going to send me to jail. You know what, Mr. Mueller, if he wants to send me to jail, he can send me to jail, and then I'll, and then I'll laugh about it. I've, I've never seen anyone abandon a threat midway through. So, I swear to God, if you punch me, it's gonna hurt my face. <laughs> now, if you've never heard of Sam Nunberg before, he was an early aide to Donald Trump, uh, who was hired and fired, and, uh, oh, and then he was fired again, this time for using the N-word on Facebook. Yeah, which is shocking to me that someone got fired from the Trump campaign for being racist. Like, I thought they hired people based on that. <laughs> It says here on your resume, the N-word. So when can you start? <laughs> so yesterday, Nunberg decided to go on TV and tell everyone that he was not a snitch. And then he started snitching. I know Bob Mueller, I know, I know that whole team, and, they, and they're right, and they probably have something on Trump. Trump did something pretty bad. Look, Paul Manafort, Rick Gates, crooks. They were crooks. I think Carter Page colluded with the Russians. Sarah Huckabee is a terrible press officer. Trump is the most disloyal person you're ever gonna meet. I mean, do you know the way I've been treated by Donald Trump? I mean, I hate the guy. Do you think I was talking to Corey and Hope Hicks? I mean, while they were having their affair? Damn. Damn. You know, I know the stereotype is that women gossip, but every man who works for Trump keeps proving that stereotype wrong. Think about it. Scaramucci, Bannon, and now Nunberg. These guys are like human WikiLeaks. The women, though, they keep their shit on lock. Like Kellyanne Conway never snitches. Yeah, you actually leave interviews with her knowing less than when you started. <laughs> Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Fort Knox, Hope Hicks, she was communications director and we never even heard her speak. <laughs> now you understand, there's a reason Black Panther rolls like this. Women don't snitch. Yeah, think about it, think about it. Two years later, we're still looking for Hillary's emails, huh? Still, I see you, girl, I see you. <laughs> The guys are all here. Because unlike Trump's women, Sam Nunberg is the complete opposite. He spent the entire day blabbing to any show that would have him. He was on MSNBC, he was on New York One, he went on three different CNN shows. He was so eager to dish that somehow he even ended up on The Bachelor. I wanted Trump to lose. I didn't care if Trump lost. I thought it would be funny. I don't even know Yeah. And that wasn't even the craziest thing about last night's episode, hashtag Team Becca. Uh, <laughs> now, even for a Trump associate, Nunberg's appearances were extremely erratic yesterday. You know, he was like if Fergie's national anthem was a person. <laughs> In fact, it got so bad that one of the hosts on MSNBC brought out a lawyer to try and help him on live TV. And look at his face, look at his face when the reality of the situation sinks in. Yes. I think your family wants you home for Thanksgiving, and I hope you will testify. Is it this ridiculous? No, it's not ridiculous, Sam. It, is it it's November? It's so not ridiculous. November. You'd rather spend possibly a year in jail than yeah, 80 I'm hours going, going to, I'm not emails. going to jail. You think I'm going to jail? Sam Nunberg, uh, Maya Wiley, Barbara McQuaid, thank you for...
That's the face of someone who suddenly realizes he's screwed. He's like, I'm not going to jail. Oh wait, I'm going to jail. I don't want to drink toilet wine. And so after five hours, after five hours of giving interview after interview about how he would never cooperate with Mala, something clicked. And by the end of the night, Nunberg was singing a completely different tune. You know what I was thinking about today, by the way? Mm -hmm. I was thinking to save time, I've been advised against this, maybe I'll just give them my password, my email password, because what do I have to go So then you're gonna comply. <laughs> then I would comply, yes. Wow. <laughs> So after five hours of a verbal car chase, it just ended with Numberg offering Muller his password. Yeah. Which, let's be honest, there's an 80% chance it's either password123 or Numberg69. It's one of the two. It's one of the two. And I'm sure that Muller appreciates that Numberg might finally be willing to cooperate, but I'm not sure it's necessary anymore. Like, Numberg's gonna walk into Muller's office and be like, okay, let's do it. I'm ready to testify. And Muller will be like, nah, don't worry about it. I have it all on my DVR. You can go home, man. You can go home. We'll be right back. My guest tonight is a captain of the Philadelphia Eagles, a two-time Super Bowl champion, and the co-founder of the Players Coalition. Please welcome Malcolm Jenkins. <laughs> welcome to the show. Appreciate you having me. First things first, congratulations, two times Super Bowl champion. Yes, sir. That is an amazing achievement to have as a human being. And you did it with two teams that were winning it for the first time. I was watching the game. Tom Brady was all most people could think about. You're on the defense, right? Yep. You're seeing Tom Brady. Is, is the myth as frightening as the man? Or are you just like, nah, we got this? <laughs> nah, we, we, you got to get over the facade, you know, right. if, if you want to beat Tom Brady. A lot of people fall for the trick. But, uh, you know, I've, I've had the pleasure of playing against Tom uh, a lot. And, you know, our thing the whole year was we didn't care who we lined up against. We we're going to do, you know, whatever we do. We're right. going to show up, have fun, talk some trash, uh, and, and, <laughs> <laughs> and win games, you know, no matter who's on the field. Uh, and obviously, we got a lot of respect for him. He's, he's by far the greatest quarterback to ever play the game, but right. doesn't mean he can't get beat. Right. It, would, it doesn't mean he can't get beat. That's true. <laughs> when you, like, you, you, you win the Super Bowl, and then you're watching the fans celebrate in the streets by burning Philadelphia down. No. Do you... Do you ever want to be like, do you guys know we won? Are you like, did you? No, so I, I and this is right after the game, I'm on the field, cameras on your face, and they're like, you know, what do you want to say to Eagles fans? I'm like, I'm just trying to get back to Philly because I know the city is literally on fire. <laughs> <laughs> and by the time we got to the locker room, the pictures are rolling in. Right, like, right, right. Couches, cars, uh, but you know, it's been a long time coming yeah. in, in Philly. So it's, you know, let us celebrate how we want to celebrate. I, I mean, you want to burn your house, burn your house, man. Yeah, burn your house. It's your business. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it, it has been a really momentous year for your team, uh, for yourself in particular, because what's been really interesting in following your story is not just what you've been doing on the field, but what you've been doing off the field as well. The name Malcolm, Malcolm Jenkins has become associated with activism that, that has really been moving forward. You've been making progress in the game. You uh, protested uh, during the national anthem by raising a fist. And people were like, well, what is, is this different to taking a knee? What, what were you protesting about? Well, the, my biggest thing was, is the same, you know, topics as Colin Kaepernick and what he started about. We're talking about police brutality. We're talking about system, systematic oppression, oppression, like our criminal justice system, um, the, the unequal education. Right. 
You know, all of these things that plague black and brown communities. Um, the reason I chose to raise my fist is because I saw what happened with Collins' uh, protest. It immediately got turned into a protest against the anthem, against right. the military, because nobody really knew what that gesture meant. That's interesting. But when you look at, at history and you you know, you see uh, Tommy Smith and John Carlos, everybody understands what the fist means right. and, and what type of issues we're talking about. And so to just keep things on subject and not allow uh, my narrative to be, you know, misconstrued. Right. That's why I chose that that gesture over anything. And and you you went out and you did something, you know, which is which is interesting to see. So many NFL players have come together and said, we're going to do beyond just talking. You said you were tired of hashtags. You were tired of just talking about it. So you set about creating the players coalition with your fellow NFL players, and you got a commit from a commitment from the NFL for a hundred million dollars to help grassroots movements in black and brown communities in underserved communities. That's, that's an amazing achievement. How did you figure out where you wanted the money to go and what you needed to do on the ground? Well, the biggest thing is we have been doing work, you know, long before this, the protest started mm -hmm. and, and, and even simultaneously. And so once we got to this past year, summer of 2017, uh, we had an opportunity to sit down with league officials uh, and show them what we've been doing. This was our plan and this is what we're trying to get accomplished and invited them to come and see what it is that we've been making so much noise about. Right. And we had Roger Goodell come to Philly uh, along with Eagles owner Jeffrey Lurie and we took them around. Uh, first spoke with the police. We went to bail hearings and just watched how our criminal justice system works. We talked to public defenders, went to uh, a Germantown in, in Philadelphia and sat with a group of grassroots organizers and right. got to hear these stories, you know, face to face and got to show them this is what we've been we've been talking about. Um, and through those conversations and having other guys join and being organized, we were able to, you know, sit down at a table and really shock the league as far as our, our preparedness and commitment. Um, and they've kind of, you know, come to the table as well with committing dollars as well as a platform for us to, to really amplify our voices, not only with, with the money, because the money is cool, but money has never changed anything. Right. We, wanted, we really wanted their platform to be able to educate our fan base. We really wanted their legislative, uh, you know, help to be able to push, you know, on, on the people that, that actually have control um, over the changes that we want to see. And th this really was a 360 approach because I, I like that you didn't just talk to people who were uh, victims of criminal justice, a system that has oppressed them. You also spoke to police. You, you engaged with police and talked to them about how to get involved with the community on a, on a grassroots level. You, you were working with people who cannot afford to pay bail and haven't committed a crime but have been you know, held up in the system for a long time. When you look at the progress that you've made, there is still a long way to go, but what are some of the things you've looked at and gone, oh, wow, I can't believe that we've done this much, this, uh, you know, this far in the journey? Well, the, the biggest thing, the most proud thing for me, the thing I'm most proud about is being able to activate so many athletes. Right. Like, we've seen one-offs in the past where, you know, one guy is kind of standing on the mantle right, you know, right, by right. himself, but, you know, we, we've been engaging with over 60 current and former NFL players that are all, in some form or fashion, been engaged in these issues, and we're able to not only talk about it on a national standpoint, but from a local standpoint. And so we're able to focus on, you know, district attorney's races all over the country. You got Boston, Dallas, uh, San Diego, San Antonio, all have races this year. And so when we talk about changing our, our bail system, cash bail system, where 500,000 people on any given night 
are in jail, uh, not because they committed a crime, but because they're too poor to, to get out. Right. They can't buy their freedom. Changing that. And you talk about, you know, mass incarceration, uh, juvenile sentencing. We're still treating kids like adults in, right. in a lot of states. And so the fastest way to approach that is to, to pay attention to these district attorney's races. And now we have guys in all of these different markets who can speak to their fan base, who can mobilize their fan base and, and talk about these things, talk about the stories and the people that are impact. And a lot of times we see these as black and brown issues, which right. they are, but most of them um, affect everybody. They cost us tax dollars. One in every three people over the age of 18 in this country has some kind of criminal record, whether it be arrest record or wow. criminal record. And that's black or white. Right. It does not matter who you are. And so those things are costing us, you know, as a society. It's not making us any safer. It's not, it's not improving anything. So I think holistically, as we continue to teach and tell these stories, um, hopefully we can activate our fan base and, and really get some movement. Wow. It's amazing work that you're doing, man. Um, when you look at uh, the Super Bowl, there's one thing that comes with it uh, when you're a champion, and that is you are meant to get an invite to meet the President of the United States at the White House. <laughs> um, now, the Eagles have yet to receive the official invitation, right. uh, but you, you have said that you, you would not go to the White House to meet the President. Right. So the reason I said, and, and um, for me, I've, I've won a Super Bowl before, so I, I kind of know what that is like. Right. Um, it's humble, a humble brag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You saw that. something back. But, uh, <laughs> It's a celebratory event. You know, you go, we're, we're in a big room, the president comes in, you shake his hand, we take a few pictures, they leave. Right. Um, I'm not interested in a photo op, personally. Um, but what I've always been open to and what we've been doing, we've taken multiple trips to the Hill uh, to speak, you know, to people who, who want to help us with criminal justice reform and all of the different things that we've been fighting for. Right. That I'm interested in. So, so if the president said come to the White House, Malcolm Jenkins, and then we can have a discussion on criminal justice reform, et cetera, would you go? If it was serious in nature, then... Yeah, I, he, he I, would yeah. even have a piece of paper and he would say, Malcolm Jenkins, I hear you. <laughs> Dude, thank you so much for being on the show. For more information about the work Malcolm has, check out the MalcolmJenkinsFoundation.org. Malcolm Jenkins, everybody. Thank you so much. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.